You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Man, the Savior of the world has come, and that is what we are here to celebrate. Didn't the band do awesome this morning? It's been a great day. It's been a great, great day so far. I'm excited. I want to wish all of you a Merry Christmas. And if you have your Bibles, let's go to Matthew chapter 1. If not, it's going to be on the screen uh, as we read it this morning. How many of you guys are actually ready for Christmas? You've bought all of your gifts and you're good to go by show of hands. How many of you? Well, good job. You did great. How many of you guys are like going to the mall today? Got some gifts to buy? Yep, I'm right there with you. Uh, a couple more for us. And you know what's funny about Christmas is that uh, Christmas can be challenging because of the people that we have to buy gifts for, you know. Um, it, it, there's, there's, there's just some difficulty sometimes in picking out the right gift and, and uh, how much do you spend and all that kind of stuff. I heard the joke about this one family. Uh, Frankie bought his cousin Jimbo a, a parrot, uh, and it was a talking parrot. And he shipped it to him. And a couple weeks later, uh, he calls him up on the phone. And he says, hey, Jimbo, man, how did you like that parrot? I sent you. He said, man, that parrot tasted so good. Thank you. He was like, what? You ate the parrot? Man, that was an expensive parrot. It actually spoke five different languages. And Jimbo said, well, he should have said something. (laughs) Man, it can be difficult to buy gifts for our family members. and, And every family has that one person in particular that's like really, really hard to buy for, right? No pointing fingers, right? But if you're sitting next to him today, you might just kind of go like that. No, I'm not going to point fingers, but we're, you, you, you know who that person is. Uh, they seemingly have everything already. And, and, and you know, for me, it's my sister. Uh, my sister, she's got money. And so whatever she needs, she just buys and she's really particular. And when it comes to Christmas, she usually doesn't give us a lot of help, like on what are some good ideas. And uh, when she finally gets around to it, it's like three days before Christmas. And you're like, you're killing me, Smalls, you're killing me. And, and uh, you've got that person in your family who is difficult to buy for. And, and some people just seemingly have everything that they need. And so what in the world are you going to get them? And, and uh, you know, as I was coming into this Christmas season, I, I was thinking about that. And I thought, you know, as every, every Christmas, it's like it's Jesus's birthday, but we get all the gifts. And, and uh, I thought, well, you know, what, what does God want from us this Christmas? What does God want from you this Christmas? And, and I thought, well, man, if it's hard to, to buy, you know, somebody in my family who seemingly has everything a gift, what, what kind of gift am I actually going to give to God? I mean, because God owns everything, doesn't he? I mean, what can I give to God that he doesn't already own? I mean, if I give, you know, an offering to God, it's like, well, he owns everything. He gave me that money in the first place. Or if I decided to, to serve God this year, I'm going to really serve God in a different way. Well, that's great, but he gives us the ability to do that. I mean, he gives me the capacity to, to walk and the health to be able to serve him. And so really everything comes from God. So what in the world could I actually give to God this Christmas that he doesn't already have? And so as I was reading the, the, the story of the birth of Christ, I, I really started to hone in on the perspective of Joseph in the whole narrative. Like, like what would it have been like to be the, the guy that was about to marry uh, this young girl named Mary. Like, how would that have worked out? And, and, and can you imagine the day, like, hey, we're engaged, you know, we're, we're, we're about to be married, I've got all these hopes, I've got all of these dreams, and then Mary shows up one day and says, hey, Joseph, I've got something to tell you. 
um, like I'm pregnant. And uh, I'm sure he like almost passed out at that. And then she kind of followed that up with, yeah, by the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to give birth to the Messiah. I mean, can you imagine, put yourself in his shoes for a minute. Can you imagine the weight and, and just the absurdity of how that would have sounded to Joseph? Are you kidding me? I didn't know crack was invented yet, right? And Joseph's like, well, you must be doing some kind of drug. Like, you're talking crazy talk right now. And, 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 and so as I was reading the story, what I began to realize is this. The same thing that God wanted from Joseph on that first Christmas is actually the same thing that he wants from you on this Christmas. So let's look at Matthew chapter 1, and, and let's dive into what God was doing in Joseph's life and, and what God is doing in my life and what he wants from you today as well. We'll start in verse 18. It says this, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. You know what God wants from you this Christmas and what God wanted from Joseph on that first Christmas, something that he may not have right now. And, and that's this one thing that I want us to talk about today. You know what it is? God wants your trust. God wanted Joseph to trust him. And, and God wants you to trust him as well this Christmas. And, and specifically from this passage, I think we can see that God wants you to trust him in at least three different areas of your life. And so let's go over them today. The first area of your life that God wants you to trust him in is your circumstances. God wants you to trust him no matter what circumstance you find yourself in today. Again, let's think about where Joseph is at. He's all excited, he's all happy, I'm about to get married. Betrothed at that time essentially meant that you were legally married to this, to this person. You weren't, you know, living together, you, ha you were waiting on the ceremony, but legally you were, you were considered together. And so here's this, here's this you know, fiance, this woman you're about to live with and, and give your life to, and she's, she's saying that she's pregnant, and, and, and what are you going to do at this time? I mean, he was so confused. I, I can imagine that he was worried about what the community was going to think about him. I'm sure he was worried about what the community was going to say about her, I'm sure he was, he was confused and, and worried about, can I really trust God with this? Can I, I, I really believe her story? I'm sure it was difficult to trust God. And, and as you think about this, and as you think about how, how heavy this weight of responsibility in, in this situation would have been upon him, you see what he's about to do here. 
It says that he was about to divorce her quietly because he was a just man. What's that about? Well, essentially at that time, the, the crime of adultery uh, would or, or premarital sex at that time, if you would have been found out, he could have rushed into the synagogue, told the priest what she did, and the penalty for that would have been stoning her to death. And so because he was a good guy, he thought, you know what, I'm going to divorce her quietly. Hopefully she can kind of move away and get her life together and figure this out. And so he's considering how to do this when he experiences this dream and this angel that comes to him. I mean, his circumstances were pretty difficult. I mean, they're pretty dire. I mean, this is a, a season of life that couldn't compare to any other season in his life. And here he is afraid. And we know he's afraid because the angel says, do not fear. Of course he's afraid. You know what? Some of you find yourself in a, a certain set of circumstances today and you're fearful. Just like Joseph, you don't know how it's going to work out. Just like Joseph, uh, you're worried about what people are going to think about you. You're worried about uh, people finding out about what's happening. And, and we, we so often in our life, when God calls us to trust him in our circumstances, we fear the outcome. We fear what people are going to say. We fear taking a step of faith to do what we believe God wants us to do. But because we don't know how it's going to turn out, that fear overrides us. Fear is a serious emotion. And some of you are allowing fear to keep you from trusting God with your circumstances today. You know, um, a little fear background for me, like when I was a kid, um, my mom and my sister took me on a roller coaster. And at that time, it terrified me. Uh, I mean, I can remember it to this day being on that roller coaster and like trying to, you know, hide on the floorboard of the cart. I was screaming. I was, I guess, you know, I was weak. I was a little kid. Come on, cut me some slack here. But I left that roller coaster and, and I was fearful of roller coasters for a long time after that. I mean, it took me like eight or nine years before I finally stepped on one. And I remember it uh, like it was yesterday. I was in middle school and I was in line and I was with my brother and I'm sweating. And I'm, I'm like, you know, dying on the, <clears throat> on the inside trying to make it look like I'm not afraid anymore, but I am scared to death. And my brother looked at me and, and uh, kind of with no compassion or sympathy, just like older brothers often do in our life, he was like, bro, you're not going to die. I was like, that's your pep talk? <laughs> like, that's your encouragement for me? Like, you're not going to die? That's the best you can come up with? And so I got on it, and that was kind of the first step of me kind of turning over that fear. Like, fears can, can have a way of controlling us, can't they? Fears have a way of really, really determining decisions that we make. And, and, and so we want to identify what those fears are. And and then we want to expose those fears. And, and then Christ calls us to take steps of faith, trusting that even though we don't know how it's going to turn out, that even though, yeah, there, there are some things that, you know, we're unsure about, that we're still going to take those steps and trust him with our life. You know, there are good fears and there are bad fears, what some might call healthy fear and unhealthy fear. And so a, a healthy fear is what keeps us from driving 200 miles an hour uh, on the interstate because we fear an accident or, uh, you know, healthy fear is, you know, don't jump off the side of a building. Don't play with a rattlesnake. Those are healthy fears. But, but the unhealthy fear is what the Bible would call a, a, a spirit of fear. 
So there's a, there's a man in the scriptures, his name is Paul. The apostle Paul wrote a letter to a young pastor named Timothy. And he told Timothy, he said, listen, for God did not give us a spirit of fear. He says, God gave us a spirit of power, love, and of sound judgment. So what he's saying is that when we trust God with our circumstances, when we actually put our faith in Jesus, that he doesn't give us a spirit of fear. He's actually given us a spirit of power and of love and of sound judgment. And so that's the spirit in which we live our life. And yet, even as a follower of Christ, we can allow that spirit of fear to come into our life. And, and I think there are two categories that really lead us to a further unhealthy fear in our life, and it can paralyze us. And the first unhealthy pattern that we get into that, 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 that really causes us to stay in this unhealthy fear is past sin. Our past sin really has a hold on us sometimes, and, and that past sin will uh, uh, cause you to feel guilty. That could have been 20 years ago, but today you might still feel shame. You might still feel guilt because of that past sin. And because of that past sin, you're afraid to take steps of faith today. You're fa- afraid to try to serve God today. You're afraid to go to church. You're, you're afraid to really even have conversations about faith or God in general. You're afraid of, of going to church or maybe even you know, being in relationships with other people. There's a lot of fear. Why? Because of our past sins. You know what the Bible says God wants to do with your sin? He wants to forgive you of your sin. Scripture says as we come to God and we confess that sin to him, God wants to forgive us of our sins. The Bible says that God forgives us as far as the east is from the west. In other words, he, he, he says that I remember them no more. I want to wipe the slate clean. I want to make you a brand new person. And when the Bible says that God forgives us and he forgets about our sins, we're called to believe that. And we're called to trust him and believe that he actually has. You know, another category that holds us in an unhealthy pattern of fear is a lot of times the potential for pain would lead us to stay in unhealthy uh, fear. We, we fear that a painful situation might happen. It might be uncomfortable. It might be awkward. And because it might be painful, then we refuse to trust God. We refuse to do the things that God is calling us to do and to live for him as we know he wants us to. And and that potential for pain allows it to be really hard for us to trust God when we don't know how things are going to turn out. We have a hard time trusting him when we think there might be a painful situation. In fact, a lot of us actually assume that God doesn't want us to experience any painful situations in our life. I know a lot of people that might live their life in that way, that, that God doesn't want me to experience pain. And anytime I'm experiencing a difficult situation, well, God needs to get his act together and he needs to fix this uh, because he doesn't want me to experience this. And you know, scripture actually teaches us that God does allow painful situations to come into our life. And the reason is because he wants us to learn to trust him, even in those circumstances. When you read the story of Moses, he kills a man. I'm sure he thought, my past sin, you know, there's no way God can use me now, but he does. Abraham has, you know, this this incredible calling to go into a land that I'll show you when you get there. So leave everything you know and go. And and then he, he goes and God ends up using him to bless the entire world. And you see him make mistake after mistake 
after mistake. Peter is called to leave his career in the New Testament and to follow Jesus and start a brand new life. And, and he leaves his old life and he, and he follows and trusts Jesus. And he experienced a ton of painful situations along the way. You know, God's going to use those painful situations in your life, and he's going to use them to grow you and to make you stronger and, and to allow you to experience his grace in a fresh, new way. But a lot of us can't get to that point because we're too busy worrying. We're, we have a, a bad habit of worrying about how things are going to turn out, and anxiety is growing in our life, and I'm worried about this, and what if this happens, and what if that happens, and what if over here happens? There's a story of a woman named Hetty Green who lived in the U.S., and she was known at that time as America's greatest collector. And she died in 1916. But history tells us that Miss Green was extremely tight with her money. She was extremely frugal. But when she died, her estate was valued at over $100 million. So she had a lot of money. However, because of her frugalness, uh, she was known to eat oatmeal cold because she didn't want to pay to, you know, have hot water and she didn't want to heat up, you know, pay the money to, you know, light the stove and, and to uh, heat up the water to have a warm meal. The story about her son who was uh, injured, he injured his leg, uh, but she was so tight she wanted to find a free clinic. And so she, you know, she traveled around until she finally found a free clinic to treat her, her son. But by the time that she got there, the infection had grown so large in his leg, they had to actually amputate his leg. I mean, here's a woman who had more money than any of us will probably ever see. And yet, because she was afraid and, and she worried about not having it or losing it, she couldn't even enjoy her life. And I believe there's probably some people in this room who might be in the same pattern of thinking. You're so worried about what might happen. You're so worried about what you might lose. And you spend so much time worrying about that stuff that you're, you're not enjoying your life today. You know, Jesus teaches us about worry and, and how it doesn't add any value to our life. He says in Matthew 6 that who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. If you're allowing anxiety and if you're allowing this, this habit of worry to consume you, you know what that does for you? It doesn't do anything to solve the problem. It doesn't do anything for your future. The only thing it does is it makes you miserable today. Jesus says, I want you to trust me with your circumstances. The Bible says in Psalm 23, verse 4, that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And I love that passage of Scripture and that truth that it teaches us that when we're afraid, when you feel alone, and we all feel alone at times, we all have fear that creep into our life, but in those moments when we feel alone, we got to remember this passage of Scripture and remember that God is always with us. He's always with you, no matter what circumstance you find yourself in today. And as you press into his presence, you begin to experience a sense of peace and a, and a sense of comfort that only God can give us. And so God is asking you for your trust today. And he wants you specifically to trust him with your circumstances, believing that he's in control, believing that he is with you. 
And that through this opportunity, he wants you to demonstrate your faith in him. And so we've got to be diligent. We can't allow fear to tell us that we're not good enough. Our past sin can't tell you that you're not good enough today because God wants to forgive you. You can't allow your fear to tell you that, hey, you, you, because you don't know what's going to happen, we can't let it stop us from following and trusting him today. We can't let our fear uh, allow us to believe that what other people are think is more important than what God is actually telling us to do. Don't let your fear of failing stop you from trusting him today with your circumstances. By sending Christ into the world on Christmas, you know what God was telling us? God was telling us that by sending Jesus, you and I can overcome any fear and we can face any circumstance that we face in this life because God is with us. You know, the second area that God wants your trust today is found in verse 21. God wants you to trust him with your sin. The whole point, the angel tells Joseph here, of the Messiah coming into the world is to save his people from their sins. Now, why is that important? Well, it's important because every single one of us, we're sinners, No one in here is perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. There's no way I could ever be perfect. There's no way that you could ever be perfect. And because of that sinfulness, because you're not perfect, that disqualifies you from having a relationship with God, and it disqualifies you from spending an eternity in heaven with him when you die from this world. So we've got a major issue. So what happened? Well, in Genesis, we see Adam and Eve, they're created, they live in paradise, everything is perfect, but then in chapter 3 of Genesis, sin enters the world. And when sin enters the world, they commit that first sin, they realize that they're naked, and then they try to hide from God. I think that's interesting, because you read that story, and you're like, why would they hide from God? Like, you can't hide from God. And then I realized that even in 2018, almost 19, many of us try to hide from God. We try to hide our sin from God. We try to hide our sin from our family, maybe from your wife, from your boss. You, you might hide it from your parents. But we still try to hide our sin from God. And what's interesting is, is that in chapter 3, after sin, the curse enters the world, God makes a promise. And God says, I'm going to send a Messiah that will save people from their sins, and I will crush the head of the serpent. I'll defeat the enemy through the Messiah. And what he is saying and what he is teaching us, that one day this Messiah would come to the world, and this awaited Messiah would come and live a perfect life, and he would go to the cross to die, and not just to die, but but by going to the cross, what he was doing is he was paying for my sin, and he was paying for your sin. Because we can't have a relationship with God, we can't spend an eternity in heaven with God because of that sin. Jesus goes to the cross. He takes the punishment that you and I deserved. And as he takes that punishment, he is killed. But then on the third day, he arose from the grave, defeating sin and death, giving you and I the opportunity to experience forgiveness, giving us the opportunity to trust him with our sin, giving us the opportunity to trust him by faith, to give our life to him, and yes, have a relationship restored with God and the gift of eternal life. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, that it is by faith you and I are saved. It's not by works. It's by faith, and and this is not of ourselves. It's the gift of God. You see, you know what? This Christmas, God wants to give you a gift. 
and it's the gift of his grace. But what we do is we try to fix ourselves. We try to take our sin and we try to work on it ourselves and we try to fix it ourselves and we say, God, hey, give me a second here. Let me work on this. I'm going to overcome this and then, God, I'm going to go to church or then, God, I think we'll be good or then my, my wife will be happy. And so we spend all of this time trying to fix our sin. But the reality is you can't fix it. You can't hide it. You can't fix it on your own. So what do you do with it? Well, you do what God wants you to do with it and that is to Give it to him. He wants you to bring your broken, messed up life. And he wants you to say, God, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. And what happens when we do that is we, we, we cross over from a prideful life into a life where we are beginning to submit our life before God, confessing that we are sinners. And by trusting in Christ by faith to save us, he gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit now lives within our spirit. And now he gives us that spirit of power. And now he allows us to overcome sin in our life. And now he gives us life to the fullest. And now he empowers us to live the life that God wants us to live. You can't do it without the spirit of God. You can't do it without him. Stop trying to fix it yourself. Stop trying to fix your problems and get yourself cleaned up before you come to God. And realize he wants you to give him your sin. And then the third area that God wants you to trust him in is your future. God wants you to trust him with your future. In verse 24 here, what does Joseph do? He wakes up from the dream and it says that he did what the Lord commanded him. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because trusting God isn't just me saying, yes, I trust you, God. It's not you saying, yeah, I trust you, God. It's more than that, isn't it? I mean, we can... We can talk a good game and we can say whatever we want to, but Joseph could have said, yeah, I trust you, God, but still divorced her. I trust you, God, but I'm not doing that. I want to go do this life. I don't want that, right? It's not just what you say, it's what you do. And so, so we know a lot of people who say they trust God, but by their life, you're like, eh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. And how do you know? Well, Jesus says it's by their fruit that you're going to know them. Jesus says a grapevine is not going to produce figs or apples or any other fruit. A grapevine is going to produce grapes. And so if you are someone who has trusted Christ for your salvation, then the fruit of your life is going to bring and give evidence toward that. And, and so it's really easy. Sometimes it's, it's difficult to admit it. But if you'll be honest with yourself tonight and you'll just kind of look at your life and say, okay, does my life really give evidence that I'm trusting God with my circumstances, that I'm trusting God with my sin, that I'm trusting God with my future. And if not, the good news is you can change that right here, right now, today. You don't have to wait any longer. You don't have to be confused any longer. If you don't know that heaven is your home today, you can pray a prayer and start a relationship today with God and God will change your life. I liken it to a story of... Um, Myself and my daughter, when she was younger, she was learning how to swim. And um, this was Brooke, and, and she was in the shallow end of the pool. And man, she was swimming like a fish in the shallow end. And so it was great that she had finally, you know, taken off the floaties, and we weren't using that anymore, and she was swimming. But, but when I would, I would call her into the deep end of the water, she would be like, no, I'm not going, Daddy. No way. I can't. I, I'm not that good yet. I can't swim that good yet. And I would say, Brooke, I'm right here. Come out here. I'll, I'll help you. I, you you got to believe that you're, you're doing it now. And, 
and uh, she wouldn't have it. And, and so I was just trying to, you know, coax her into doing it and encourage her. And so finally she would start, you know, you know, doing the, the, the death grip on the side of the pool. <laughs> and she would like work her way to the deep end and, and she would stay right there on the side of the pool. And, she, and I would be in the deep end and I would be treading water and I was saying, come on, come out here. Just swim to me. I'm right here. And she'd be like, I'm not going. I'm not going. I can't do it. And I, I remember saying, do you trust me, Brooke? Look at me. I, I, can, I, can, I can help you. Like, if you swim out here and you can't do it, I'm right here. You know, I'm not going to let you go under. Do you trust me? And I remember her saying, yeah, Daddy, I trust you. Then I would say, well, let go of the wall. And she said, I can't let go of the wall. And so after a couple of days of this, I got pretty frustrated. And so I'm not going to recommend this parenting technique, okay? Disclaimer on this, all right? Don't, don't call the, the feds on me for this one. But I finally just went, swam over to her when we were going through this same routine, and I just pulled her off the side of the edge. And I, was, I went to the middle of the, the pool in the deep end, and of course now she's, you know, death grip around me. <laughs> and I said, Brooke, you got to let go of me, and I want you to swim to the side of the pool. She's like, no, don't let go of me, Daddy. I can't do it. I can't do it. And I said, honey, I'm right here. I'm not going to let you go under. All you got to do is let go and do what you already know to do, and that's swim to the edge of the pool. Finally, she let go of me. And you know what happened? She sunk to the bottom of the pool right then and there. I just couldn't believe it. No, she took off. And she swam to the side of the pool, and she turned around, and she said, I knew I could do it. I just didn't want to do it. just like a little brat. No. <laughs> now the reality is um, you, you hear that story and, and uh, God works with us in much the same way that, that we as parents work with our kids, you know. And uh, what's funny is that a lot of you come here today, maybe for the first time somebody invited you or uh, whatever. You, you've heard this message before. You've heard the Christmas story. You've heard about what Jesus did on the cross. You've heard about the resurrection. You, you know about Jesus, but for whatever reasons, you've been spending the majority of your life pushing that message away. You've been, you've been pushing the gospel away from your heart. You've been pushing God away. In fact, you've probably been pushing some spiritual leaders in your life, spiritual mentors in your life away as well. Maybe you're pushing your parents away. Maybe you're pushing a friend away who wants to talk to you about faith and and you just kind of spend your life pushing them away. But for whatever reasons, you know what happens? Like God keeps showing up in your life and it's like he's pulling you off the side of the pool and he's he's pulling you closer to him into deeper waters, into a a brand new life that he wants you to experience. And, And as his grace pulls you closer to him, you're reminded often as much as you want to push him away, it's like, here you are again. Maybe today will be the first time where you actually embrace his grace, where you actually say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you today. I'm going to trust you with my sin. I'm going to trust you, God, that when I bring you my sin and seek forgiveness, that you're going to be faithful to forgive me And you're going to be faithful to save me. And you're going to be faithful that through whatever circumstance and whatever my future holds, that you are going to bring me through it. And ultimately, God, I'm trusting you that you're going to give me the gift of heaven. 
Some of you have never made that commitment. You've never given Christ your life. You've never trusted him. And today I wanna give you that opportunity. I wanna invite you to, to, to make that commitment today. And I believe when you do, I believe the Holy Spirit will flood your soul and God will save you and change your life right here, right now. But before I give you that opportunity, what we're gonna do is we're gonna, we're gonna ask the band to come out and lead us in a song. And I just want you guys to sit and listen in a, in a spirit of prayer, asking God that, God, what do I need to trust you with today? For some of you, that's gonna be salvation. For some of you, maybe in another area. But prayerfully, as we enter this time and as we listen to the words of this song, we wanted this song just to kind of be sung over you today and give some space for the Holy Spirit to work and to live. And as we do that, let's pray together. Father God, I wanna ask that in this moment, Lord, that you would open up our hearts, you would open up our ears and our eyes to your truth. Lord, we want to, to be faithful to what you're calling us to do today. Lord, we wanna walk in faith. God, we wanna, we wanna do the things that you're calling us to do. We recognize that we are not perfect and I recognize that there are people who are trying to work their way into heaven today, God, and the reality is it just is not gonna happen. We need you and we need to trust you today. So for every person in this room, Lord, who's not made that commitment, speak to them right here, right now, in that moment, in this moment. And may we hear from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.